Let's talk about the volume of Ezekiel. First of all, let me give you a bit of a timeline. I know we've still got to get rid of our Greco-Roman roots where we like a timeline. Well, here's the cross, everything before the cross and everything after the cross. So said thou. And you don't think you're going to end up in a mobile home? That's how Yahweh started, in a mobile home, you know. I mean, it's not sacrilegious, it's true. By the pillar of fire by night and the cloud by day. He lived in a mobile home. That was about 1200 before the common era. We had the Mishkan, the tabernacle in the wilderness, about 1200 before the common era. Now later, Melech Shlomo, King Solomon, came along and he built the temple, the first temple. That was around 960 before the common era. Now, the ten northern tribes, commonly known as Ten Israel, many of you know this, they went into Assyrian captivity in approximately 733 before the common era. Now, a little bit later, about 135 years later, we've got the Babylonian captivity where the tribe of Judah, Benjamin and Levi, those in Judea, they went into Babylonian captivity in about 597 before the common era. Now, at that time, Jeconiah reigned three months and ten days. Jeconiah reigned three months and ten days from approximately December the 9th, 598, to March the 15th, 597 before the common era. And then, this is key, that was when he was taken into the Babylonian captivity. Because the scrolls of Ezekiel, and we'll find out that they're scrolls, dates according to his captivity. So remember, Yahweh, through Moshe Rabbeinu, when they were in the wilderness, set princes or governors over Israel. You had captains of thousands, captains of hundreds, captains of fifties, captains of tens. They were princes that were over the sons of Israel. So when ten Israel got taken captive by the Assyrians into the nations, some of them settled a little bit north of Babylon, and many of the princes of Israel were there and had been in captivity for over 130 years. By the time Ezekiel and Jehoiakim are taken captive too. They're already there, these ruling princes of Israel. This was 136 years prior to Ezekiel. They're in an area just north of where the prophet Ezekiel was held captive. This is all very important because it's going to lead into what I hope to bring forth about the scrolls of Ezekiel. Now, after the Jews were released from Babylon, we had the building of the second temple, commonly called Zerubbabel's temple. In fact, Herod, it's often called Herod's temple because Herod did a, almost remodeled the whole thing too around the time or just prior to the time of Yeshua. But it was Zerubbabel's temple, this second temple, and this was in 538 
before the common era, that this second temple. Now, Zerubbabel, he was the leader of the tribe of Judah, and he was part of the first wave of Jewish captives to return to Jerusalem. Now, Ezra talks about that in chapter 1. Now, the Persian king at the time in Babylon, he appointed Zerubbabel to be governor over Judah. Now, the prophet Haggai talks and informs us of that in chapter 1 also. And right away, Zerubbabel began rebuilding the temple with the help of Yehoshua, Joshua, the high priest. Ezra, in the third chapter, gives us more information about that. Now, the first temple, of course, built by Melech Shlomo, King Solomon, it was destroyed by the Babylonians before they took the Jews into captivity in 587 before the common era. All that, though, to say this, Melech Shlomo did say, there is nothing what? There is nothing new under the sun. Nothing new under the sun. Prior to the invention, you see, what's so wonderful about the word of Yahweh, what's so wonderful about having your eyes wide open about history is that it all connects. You can talk about something 2,000, 3,000 years ago. You can talk about things in the First World War. You can talk about Zionism in 1874. You can talk about the Second World War. You can talk about communism, the rise and fall. And you can talk about the Bible, and it all comes together through the words of Yahweh in his scripture and brings you right to the feet and the place that you're standing today. So that you, his people, will never be deceived by those morons out there, absolute morons, leading the nations, printing the fish wrappers. Because he has given his people his holy word, and it is amazing. Nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. Prior to the invention of the state of Israel in 1948, It wasn't uncommon for those committed to the study of Scripture to be aware of the dating mechanism that is apparent within the book of Ezekiel, especially during the 17th to 19th century. But at the formation of the Bolshevik Zionist sovereign nation of 1948, people's understanding of the book of Ezekiel rapidly shifted, rapidly shifted. And by default, many of us, myself included, our eschatology and our interpretation on the book of Ezekiel is rooted in a theology which is only 70 years old. Because before 1948, during the 17th to 19th centuries, it was commonly understood that Ezekiel had a specific dating mechanism within its pages that was testified to by history, by the text itself of King Jehoiakim's captivity and Ezekiel's mission to the princes of Israel. But that got forgotten, side-railed, and buried after 1948 by the thrust of Christian Zionism and Zionism in general to now having this future Ezekiel Millennial Temple vision. But we're going to go back and look at the dating mechanism and see and weigh and make a decision ourselves. 
You see, today, with the birth of the state of Israel, Christian Zionism and Messianic believers alike frame their eschatological worldview through the lens of the last nine chapters of the book of Ezekiel. The new temple, the reinstitution of animal sacrifices, and the Aaronic priesthood. That's the last nine chapters of the book of Ezekiel, and that's where people's eschatology comes from, mainly today. The problem with this is, in fact, I believe that this plays into everything that has been fermenting since the rise of Bolshevism and the First World War. In fact, plays in, played into the First World War, played into the Second World War, and ultimately, this whole thing will play into the Third World War. That's why I'm presenting this tonight, because I believe we have to be aware to make the right decisions for our friends, for our families, and for ourselves, because they're going to go down. You see, the problem is, S.A. Tan, through his false prophet, plans to make the Anatonia Fortress, what's commonly known as the Temple Mount, which isn't, a platform of the center of world government and of universal worship. And he's using people's twisted Levitical view of Ezekiel to attain that very, very goal. All the while leading the masses of well-meaning believers to their peril as they'll climb the steps back to the days of constant ritual bloodletting for an insatiable Levitical altar system funded by the very Illuminati funneled through Heim Richmond of the Temple Institute. But myself like many Zadiks before me, believe that the book of Ezekiel is not, in fact, a book at all. It's not a book. But in fact, a collection of 13 dated scrolls written by the very hand of the prophet himself. This is not a book but a collection of 13 scrolls that the prophet of Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel, handed to the princes of Israel that were in captive and had been in captivity for 135 years before him, those that remained from the Assyrian captivity. And he was to deliver these Yah-inspired messages with the purpose of bringing them to teshuva, to repentance. His purpose, Yahweh ordained, was to give them a constitution on a, how they should live. A promise from Yahweh that if they were to repent, then these conditions would be given and be provided to them. In fact, we can see these scrolls typified within the scripture. You can look and turn in your own time or now, if you like, to Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 
10. There's two types of scroll that are spoken of in the scripture. And it says here, And I signed the deed and sealed it. I took witnesses and weighed the money on the scales. So I took the purchase deed, both that which was sealed according to the law and the custom. So these scrolls are going to be sealed according to a law and a custom. And we're going to find two laws and two customs pertaining to how scrolls are sealed. And it goes on to say, according to the law and the custom, and that which was open. So right here, we know from the prophet Jeremiah that the type of scroll that was in Jeremiah's time is that the scroll would be hole-punched hole punched in the middle. Below the hole punch would be the scroll and the writings. Then it would be rolled up, and a piece of string would be tied through the hole punch. It would be tied it would be sealed with seven seals. And then there would be a loose leaf. The upper half of the scroll would be loose leaf. This would have a date docket attached to it, usually by the jar merchant who was going to house the scroll. And then there would be an abridged version of what was sealed so that you could look at the date docket of when it was stored, you could open up the top leaf without breaking the seals and you would know what was contained and sealed within. And then the person who had the authority could release the seven and break the seven seals. You now see another scroll formation in the book of Revelation where the whole scroll is written on one side. It's all rolled up, no loose leaf at all. It is then stamped with seven seals and on the outside is an abridged version version of what is in the inside and John the revelator weeps and cries because he can see nobody who is worthy to release the scrolls except Yeshua has the authority he has the right to redemption of the property the land redemption which is this world the world is the field and you and I are the harvest right so I mean this is amazing stuff all that to say this the prophet Ezekiel wrote these scrolls, he dated them himself, and then he delivered them to the princes of Israel. Thirteen scrolls. Now, there's one problem. Like I said, oftentimes on the loose leaf, there would be a date docket that would be attached by the jar merchant for his storage purposes. Now, you're going to see one date in the book of Ezekiel that is not written by the hand of Ezekiel. How do we know this? Because we're going to find that it's written in the third person. This is none other than that date docket that was attached by the jar merchant or some scribe at a later point. It is not written by the hand of Ezekiel. Thankfully, it's in the third person. So we've got 14 dates. One of them is a date docket. And it has got nothing to do with the chronology, excuse me, chronology of the book of Ezekiel. This is a long-winded introduction, but my goodness, this is exciting. And I, I'm excited to present it and for us to really understand what's going on. So now, bear with me, because what we're going to see, a little bit of history about this book of Ezekiel is due, I believe, to careless handling and the breaking of these date seals by people upon the discovery of these scrolls 
all of these seals, they were broken and the scrolls were opened and they, they, they were all put together and they were formed into what we now have as a book because somebody broke open those seals and put this collection of scrolls together and they became what we have today, a book. But what we'll find is upon this discovery, they compiled this, these scrolls, 13 scrolls of the book of Ezekiel into a book as we find it today. But you've also got to realize that the rabbis, they actually advocated the withdrawal of the book of Ezekiel from circulation and they prohibited the reading of the beginning and end of the book of Ezekiel by anyone under the age of 30. So this book wasn't really read much before Christianity came along. So that's how it got to be compiled into a book because a lot of people were not paying attention. It wasn't in that great circulation and it was banned by the rabbis oftentimes. Needless to say, this book was overlooked, understudied for many centuries, and by the time it became widely accepted, its format was already established, and thus, there's the problem. It was already established, and we're going to question its format today. We're going to question its format today, because Ezekiel's visions were to the house of Israel that had been scattered abroad in 721 before the common era, during the Assyrian captivity. Like I said, these princes of Israel were scattered in the province of Ecbatania in Media, just a short journey from where Ezekiel was exiled in Babylon. He actually visited them. You can see this in chapter 2 and chapter 3 of the book of Ezekiel. And he was visited by them. You can see it in chapter 14 and chapter 20. So now we're going to look at these 13 scrolls and we're going to look at them in chronological order to when Ezekiel delivered them with the messages to the princes and we're going to find out what this book is really about. But first of all, like I said, Let's examine this descriptive docket that was attached as the scrolls were placed into a jar. This is not a date handled by Ezekiel, but a descriptive docket, and it's found in chapter 1, verse 2, and we can see that it is in the third person, right? Written in the third person, and we have no month that is attributed to it, but it is written in on the fifth day of the fifth year. And of course, that would be of King Jehoiakim's captivity. But this then is the only date now that is not affixed by Ezekiel. This is that scribal docket that was attached before storage. So now... We've got that out of the way. Let's go and examine the first scroll in chronological order that the prophet Ezekiel delivers to the princes of Israel. Scroll number one is chapter 8, verse 1, through chapter 19, verse 14. And we can see the date that he delivered this first scroll. It was the sixth month the fifth day of the sixth year since King Jehoiakim's captivity. 
This is scroll number one. You want to reorder, you want to read the book of Ezekiel in its scroll order, not what they've done today in this mishmash book. Right here, Ezekiel, what does he do? He talks about the present state of Israel. He talks about the temple abominations, how the wicked are slain and the glory departs. And he says that the glory of Yahweh, it departed east up onto the Mount of Olives. But there's going to be this opportunity of regathering. But both Judah is guilty just as Jerusalem is guilty of the blood guilt. And this is how the first scroll is delivered to the princes of Israel. Now Ezekiel goes and he gives them a second scroll. And it is chapter 20, verse 1, extending through chapter 23, verse 49. If we look at the date given to us in chapter 20, verse 1, it's on the fifth month, the tenth day, and it's a year later. It's the seventh year of King Jehoiakim's captivity. This is the second scroll, and now Ezekiel is talking to Israel, and he's just showing them how rebellious that they've been, that Judah and Jerusalem, though they will have an opportunity for restoration. But first of all, they've got to acknowledge their guilt. This is the second scroll that's presented to the princes of Israel. Now Ezekiel goes with his third scroll in chapter 24 and verse 1, extending through chapter 25 and verse 17. And this is the proclamations against the surrounding territories. And look at the date of it. It's the 10th month, it's the 10th day, and it's the 9th year. It's two years later. So this third scroll comes, and it's two years later. It's the ninth year of King Jehoiakim's captivity. And now Ezekiel goes on, and he delivers the fourth scroll. And this is chapter 29, verse 1 through verse 16. And this is a proclamation against Egypt. The date given in the text, it's the 10th month the twelfth day, and a year later, the tenth year of King Jehoiakim's captivity. Now, notice here that it stops. This fourth scroll, it stops in chapter 29, verse 16. And there's actually a 17-year jump from 29:16 to the following verse. So we're not going to read on to the 17th verse because there's a 17-year jump there. Something's happened in between. You see, we have to read these as the scrolls were delivered. Now we're going to go to scroll number 5. And this is chapter 26, verse 1, through chapter 28, verse 26. Now this is a proclamation against Tyre and its king. And we know that the king of Tyre is a metaphor for Satan. But it also has a future blessing attached to it. And this one, we don't know what month this scroll was delivered, but we do know it was on the first day and it was on the 11th year, chapter 21, verse 6. Now we're going to go to this sixth scroll that the prophet Ezekiel delivers to the princes in exile, chapter 30, verse 20, extending through verse 26. Now he's going to give a proclamation against Pharaoh. 
O wicked Pharaoh. And the date of this is the first month, the seventh day of the 11th year of King Jehoiakim's captivity. Can you see these scrolls are being delivered? And this is a chronological reading of the scrolls as they would have been delivered. This is how we understand the prophecies. Now we're going to go to scroll number 8. Chapter 32, verse 17 all the way through to chapter 33 and verse 20, we're going to see, oh, excuse me, I skipped a scroll. Scroll 6 was chapter 30, verse 20, through verse 26. It was the proclamation against Pharaoh. So now we're going to go to scroll 7, and that's chapter 31, verse 1 through 18. We're going to see this is where Egypt is cut down like a tree. She's cut down like a tree. And this scroll was delivered to the princes of Israel on the third month, the first day of the month, in the 11th year of King Jehoiakim's captivity. And now Ezekiel delivers the eighth scroll in chapter 32, verse 17 extending through to 33, verse 20, we see that Egypt is assigned to the pit. Egypt is assigned to the pit. We don't know what month this scroll was delivered, but we do know it was the 15th day of the month, and we do know that it was the 12th year. The 12th year. We know that it was the 15th day of the 12th year. Now we're going to go to scroll number 9. This is chapter 32, verse 1, through chapter 32, verse 16. And this is a lamentation for Egypt. So Egypt, there's this proclamation against Pharaoh. Then Egypt is cut down like a tree. Then Egypt is assigned to the pit. And then another scroll is delivered. And we have this lamentation for Egypt. And this scroll was delivered in the 12th month on the first day in the 12th year of the captivity. And we know now that the fall of Egypt came some time before the fall of Jerusalem. Because look, we have this dating of scroll 8 and we know it was the 15th day of the 12th year. But right now we've got scroll 9, and it comes to us on the 12th month of the first day of that month and the 12th year. So we had the fall of Egypt, which came before, history tells us, the fall of Jerusalem. Now we're going to go to scroll number 10. Scroll number 10 is chapter 33, verse 21, through chapter 39, verse 29, and we see the fall of Jerusalem. Now, you've got to make a note at this point, because any prophetical aspect of the scrolls of Ezekiel closes here. At this point, it closes. Look at the date. It's the 10th month, the 5th day and the 12th year. Did anybody catch that? Look at the date. 10th month, 5th day, 12th year. Some would ask, well, why is this the 
tenth scroll when the date of the ninth scroll looks like it's later. Do you catch that? And you'd ask that question. Well, we do know that the fall of Jerusalem came what? After the fall of Egypt. So we've got a problem here, but it's really quite easy to clear up. You see, Jerusalem was destroyed by fire, and we know it was on the 5th. We're not sure, but we do know it was on the... Back up a second here. We do know it was on the fifth month. We're not sure what um, day of the month it was, but we do know that it was on the 11th year of Jehoiakim's rule. Because if you go to 2 Kings chapter 25, verse 8, and Jeremiah chapter 52, verse 12, it tells you when Jerusalem was destroyed. So we got a problem here. Because if the news didn't reach the exiles until the 12th year and the 10th month, then it took over a year and a half for the news to travel a distance covered by Ezra in four months. Why did it take so long? Ezra chapter 7 verse 9 tells us it only took him four months. So why did it take over a year and a half? But we find out we have a copyist error. Because it's very interesting when you look at the Hebrew word for 11th and you look at the Hebrew word for 12th, it's only different by one Hebrew letter. Let me explain. Because a few of the Hebrew texts and one ancient translation actually read 11th year instead of 12th year. Because the Hebrew word for 12th year is Ashtay, and it's spelled Ayin, Shin, Tav, Yod. Whereas we find the year for, um, excuse me, I got that back to front. The 11th year is, um, instead of the 12th year, we find this discrepancy between Ashtay, Ayin, Shin, Tav, Yod, and Asher, which is Ayin, Shin, Tav. So there's just this Yod, which is the only difference between the 11th year and the 12th year. You can see how that could easily, over centuries, it's a tiny little dash, and how that could have mixed up the dating. But we do know from Scripture, and we do know from history, that Jerusalem's fall was after Egypt's fall. That's why I've got it listed as this very 10th scroll. Does that make sense? Okay, I had to clarify that because people have come to me and spoken. I believe that's the Masoretes. That would be a Masorite copy error. The Brenton does? The Brenton Septuagint confirms that. Great, thank you. I didn't know that. See, I love the Brenton Septuagint there. So anyway, so that makes a lot of sense to me because people would say, well, hang on a minute, Matthew, you're teaching this, but you've got the scrolls backward. No. Scroll number nine, again, to reiterate, is the fall of Egypt, which came before the fall of Jerusalem. Scroll number nine, chapter 32, verse 1 through 16. It was on the 12th month. It was on the first day and the 12th year. Scroll 10 Chapter 33, verse 21 
through chapter 39, verse 29, was the fall of Jerusalem. And this was on the 10th month, the 5th day and the 12th year. Again, we can see that this could just be a discrepancy with the copyists. Okay. It says what? It says 33.21. 33.21. Let's turn there while with Ezekiel. Yep, thank you. 33. No, no, good, good. Was, uh, that, that's what it's nice to have there. 33.21. And it... Thirty-three twenty-one. It says in what? What does it say in your word? In the Brenton, in the Brenton Septuagint, it says. Also, oh, in the Brenton, it says in the tenth year of our captivity, and the twelfth month. Two years. Two years. Okay. And then in the King Jimmy, which is the Masoretic, it's got and it came to pass in the twelfth year of our captivity in the tenth month. So we've got to look at history and we've got to see which happened first. The fall of Egypt? Yes. Then the fall of Jerusalem. Hence the scroll in this order. Because there is this discrepancy within, within the translation. Excellent. So now we're on to the 11th scroll. This is the important scroll. This is chapter 40, verse 1. All the way through to chapter 48, verse 35. This now... This 11th scroll was delivered to the princes of Israel on the 10th month, the 4th day, and 25th year of King Jehoiakim's captivity. So this was after a 13-year silence. These princes, they hadn't heard, Ezekiel hadn't gone up with, their, with any scrolls for 13 years. They're most probably wondering. He was going up every year for a bit. Why? Why is there a 13-year gap? Because the hope of Yahweh is that he's delivered these scrolls, one, two, three, one after another. Sometimes he's going up there year after year after year. Then he's going to, Yahweh's going to let it marinate. Because Yahweh is what? Long-suffering. He's going to hope the princes of Israel what? They make teshuvah. They repent. He's hoping now they're going to repent and that he's now going to be able to offer them what this repentance looks like, that they're now going to be given this interim constitution of reconciliation until the time of reformation. This will carry them from their captivity back to the land. And in the, this, this interim constitution that's going to be offered is going to carry them all the way until Yeshua comes. Will they accept it? This is the game changer. We can see, in fact, in chapter 43, verse 10, the purpose of this was what? To shame Israel into repentance. The purpose of this is to shame Israel into repentance, chapter 43, verse 10. So this 11th scroll is chapter 40, verse 1, all the way through chapter 48, verse 35. And it's regulated to the back of the volume as an appendix. But Ezekiel was an ambassador going forth 
delivering them this provisional constitution. And this includes the temple visions, a conditional offer. It was a conditional offer of national restoration. And it was contingent upon something. It was contingent upon both houses making teshuvah, repentance. This would have been an interim constitution until Yeshua came, until the time of Reformation, when the seed would come. But they didn't accept it. So they don't get it. And they never did get it. And it is now history. They never did accept it. They never repented. In fact, we are still, as Israel, Ephraim, scattered in the nations. But this was the hope. This was the hope. Now this 12th scroll is delivered. And now Ezekiel is going to bring a message. Chapter 29, verse 17, the 12th scroll through chapter 30, verse 19, Babylon is going to plunder Egypt. And this was delivered on the first month, on the first day, and the 27th year. Now you can see again, look at this 17-year jump from 29, verse 16, which was scroll 4, all the way down to 29, verse 17, which is scroll 12. So, We don't want to read this by the chapters and verses because you end up not knowing what's going on and getting into this very, very offbeat eschatology, in my opinion, that's going to play into the new world order. Because between verse 16 of chapter 29 and verse 17, we've got a 17-year gap and we're jumping from scroll 4 to scroll 12. We've got eight scrolls that have been delivered prior to it. I mean, crying out loud, what's going on? Now we're going to go to the final scroll. This is the final scroll because what? They didn't accept scroll 11. They didn't accept the temple, the visions of the temple, the interim constitution of being returned to Yahweh with all of this wonderful stuff that Yahweh was going to do that was going to tie them over until Yeshua came. They didn't accept him. So now Ezekiel is going to hit him hard with the 13th scroll. He's going to hit him with the sword verses of chapter 5. The sword is going to come upon you. You don't repent. You didn't accept this. I've been doing this for years. For 25 years, Yahweh's had me coming up here, talking to you prideful Israel princes, offering you an amazing interim constitution, and now you're going to reject me. You're not only rejecting me, you're rejecting Yahweh, and he's going to bring the sword on you. Chapter 5, the 13th scroll is chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, through to chapter 7, verse 27. This is the priestly commission of judgment and wrath, discharged to a rebellious house of Israel that has rejected Yahweh, that has rejected the interim constitution and is set forth with the sword of chapter 5. It's an amazing, amazing witness these 13 scrolls are. To recap, all the dates within the text except for chapter 1, Verse 2 through 3 were affixed by Ezekiel. The only other one was that extra docket that was attached 
either jar merchant for storage purposes, and that's written in the third person so we can identify it very easily. That, of course, is not a date in the chronology. All of the dates are set from the first year of the captivity of King Jehoiakim, 599 before the Common Era, 2 Kings 24, verse 15, which lasted for 37 years, and then it was later alleviated, 2 Kings chapter 25, verse 27. Ezekiel's visions, they last 25 years, this delivery of these 13 scrolls. But the closing chapters, this is key, the closing chapters, which include the temple visions, predate the opening chapters by five years. Five years. Five years. This, like I said, is not new. It's that we have been so inundated with the Illuminati agenda since the turn of the 20th century, that we have forgotten what our Zadik forefathers knew, what was foretold from long ago. But the Illuminati agenda, they want you to believe in an Ezekiel's future temple. They want you to believe in the animal sacrifices. They want you to believe in the supremacy of the Jewish Levites and the Aaronic temple system. They want there to be agitation between the Palestinians and the Jews. They are the agitators and have been for Many, many years, and it is expressly getting more and more and more ravenous wolves, the bloodletting of sacrificial animals in total opposition to what the writer of the book of Hebrews tells us, in total opposition to Melech Yeshua HaMashiach, the Malkit Zedek. It's a setup. But if we can remember our history, we will have a stake in the future peace. But before there's peace, you better prepare for war. I hope we can get our eschatology right. And I hope that we can see that Ezekiel delivered 13 scrolls. One of those scrolls with the temple visions was an interim constitution that was conditional upon repentance, that Israel would accept, repent, and Yahweh would bring them back from the captivity, and they would get to build this wonderful system that was not based upon the corrupt system that brought them into captivity in Babylon in the first place. There is a change. There there isn't a Ithamite denigration and an Eliezer elevation and you see the Zadokites running things and a lot of the corruption of what had happened before that let Jerusalem become that bloody city of whores is done away with and Yahweh says we're going to rework this new temple so that you are actually ruled by Zadokites because the Ithamites they're the ones that caused you to go into corruption anyway they, they, were, they, they totally messed up the whole sacrificial system for years prior to their captivity. So there's this change. But they reject it. 
The princes of Israel reject it, so Ezekiel comes at them with the 13th scroll and the sword visions of chapter 5, and they don't get it. It was conditional. It is historical. Let's move forward and get ready for the millennium. But this has no part in it. Unless you want to get sidetracked by the Zionist Illuminati and the messianic bloodletting of animal sacrifices and all that rah, rah, rah. But as for me and my house, we shall go to an altar outside of the gates, which you have no right to partake of that bloodletting. You have no right to eat of. What is written in the Brit Hadashah and what's written in the prophecies is for us today. But we have got to wake up. And when we see what's going on in the world, Let's have our eyes wide open because Yahweh's given us the answer in the scriptures. Amen. Amen.